You're listening to Inside Chicago Government. ShyGov.com. Welcome to another in a series of interviews with Ben Jarofsky. I'm Dave Gloetz. Ben Jarofsky writes on government and politics for the Chicago Reader, and he's sitting here with me today, along with the copy of the Constitution. Our favorite Constitution. What's your second favorite Constitution? There are none. <laughs> today we're talking about your article titled, To Mayor Emanuel, Some Jobs Are Worth More Than Others. That appeared in the Reader on November 8, 2012. This article talks about the layoff by the city of 34 workers in the Water Billing Center. And the city's replacing them with a Japan-based contractor, NTT Data. Let me see if I can get this right here. What department these workers reside in? Okay. As I recall, a few years ago, these people whom you would reach if you had a question about your water bill resided in the Department of Water Management. Water and Sewer Department, yes. That's just called Water Management. Water and Sewers were separate departments at one point. And they were absorbed by the Department of Revenue, these water billing people. Yes. Because Revenue had also a group of people who took phone calls about, you know, bills. Yeah. And then not too long ago, the whole Department of Revenue was absorbed into the Department of Finance. Okay. So that's where these jobs reside. Right. Are these people still on the payroll? Yes. The city uh, has not signed the contract outsourcing the jobs, as far as I know, as of yet. But the last time I talked to a city spokesperson about this, which is over a week ago, he said that it was a matter of time. However, there's a side issue, which we may or may not get into, about the city council rebellion or potential rebellion against outsourcing. And that may, long shot may, probably not, but may result in no outsourcing in this particular area. I don't know. I doubt it, but it could. And the thing that makes it a real proposal is the fact that it exists in the mayor's budget proposal that these jobs are not funded. Yes, exactly. Although, as I'm learning, all positions in a budget are there by the stroke of a pen or a computer, I it's guess. It's still a so, proposal. Yeah, it's just a proposal. And even once it's passed, they could still get them back. I mean, the, the curious thing, I mean... The city uh, privatized this operation in order to improve services and save money. And most of these workers, these employees, are uh, black people who live on the west or south sides. And they found a sympathetic audience in uh, Alderman Roderick Sawyer when they spoke up at the aldermanic budget hearing that you and I attended a couple weeks ago at South Shore High School. And Alderman Sawyer is advancing an ordinance that would uh, require public meetings and public hearings and approval by the city council for any privatization deal. And the mayor is very reluctant to sign on to that for the obvious reason that he doesn't want a lot of public attention put to these deals. So in order to placate the alderman on the larger issue of hearings for each privatization deal, the city has agreed to keep all 34 of these employees on the payroll. Elsewhere. Yeah, finding somebody, someplace, somewhere for them. For all I know, they could be tree trimmers, thereby wiping out whatever savings, of course, the city was going to make. And the reason the mayor wants to do that is so that the Sawyer won't introduce his ordinance to review any such privatizations. Do you think the mayor will prevail? And what does that likelihood say about the aldermen whose constituents are in the crosshairs here? Well, at the risk of sounding completely jaded, yes, of course, I think the mayor will prevail. I work from the assumption that the mayor will prevail on pretty much anything he wants. I can only think of one instance, two instances, excuse me, where he has not prevailed, 
One where he backtracked on closing libraries on Monday, which may have been the single dumbest idea he had. Uh, the other was a longer school day where he backtracked, I think, from seven and a half hours to seven hours. Don't quote me on that. In this one, I don't know. This is a tough day because um, it really does strike a chord, particularly in the black neighborhoods where the people who work, you know, they, that's where they live. And these jobs are essential to a large degree to the financial uh, stability of a, a lot of these communities in Chicago. So, But what about the alderman who who saw your needs to persuade in order for this to, to have to I work from the assumption they will all cave. But that does not mean this issue just goes away. And some of the aldermen may stand up with Sawyer. Others will cave. But it could be an issue in the next election, and these aldermen could be vulnerable, particularly with new ward boundaries. Every now and then, the black constituents of Chicago were concentrated in several south and west side wards, mainly in the south side I'm thinking of, have a rebellion. They just get sick and tired of the wimpiness of their representatives and and the lack of conviction that these aldermen have in terms of standing up to the mayor on on all sorts of issues. And so you'll see people ousted. So it's very possible that this could be a moment. This could be one of several issues, the schools being the other one, closing schools in black communities, the way the teachers were treated, the way the longer school day was shoved down people's throats. This could be one of another instance where it's going to add fuel to that independent fire, so to speak. Where constituents say enough is enough, our elected representative doesn't represent us, much like they did with Jesse Jackson Jr. Oh, they didn't do that. No, but it does happen occasionally with aldermen. I don't want to bore our listeners, but I go ward by ward the history of how one alderman gets ousted by another alderman because the former alderman was perceived as being too cozy with the mayor and not looking out for the interests of his or her constituents. I think there is a turnover in black wards to some degree. I haven't done a study to see if it's greater than in white wards, but that would be an interesting study to take. Going back to the proposed ordinance, Sawyer's proposed ordinance for a moment, it would require hearings for such proposed contracts to privatize certain city jobs. That is correct. Would it require city council approval? I believe so. That would have teeth. Okay. The other thing is the ordinance could be watered Watered down. down. So, you know, everything is up in the air right now. The interesting thing is you do have hearings you would get into issues that are not normally raised in privatization matters, and I'll explain that. Right now, the city of Chicago does not require contractors who take over operations formerly done by city employees. The city does not require those contractors to stipulate how much they will be paying the employees to do services, and they do not require them to provide health insurance for those employees. So the vendors are pretty much free to pay minimum wage if that's required with no health insurance, with no sick day provisions, with any kind of job protection. So these are the equivalent of fast food workers, completely at will employees. So if Sawyer's ordinance is passed and there's hearings, that would be one of the first issues that Alderman would discuss. Okay, well, you're replacing workers who now get paid $45,000 a year and have health benefits. How much are you going to be paying the employees? Will they have health benefits? Will they have sick days? The argument being advanced is that the city's economic interests are being served in many different ways, not just the bottom line cost of providing the service, but the impact that employees have on a community if they make a decent wage, as opposed to the impact they have if they're minimum wage. It's hard enough for the city to justify a privatization deal on the merits of the money. I mean, in this case, they claim they'll be saving $100,000, which is nothing. 
it's virtually impossible to justify it in terms of the impact it has on good jobs in the neighborhoods. And nor are they trying to. Well, no, they don't. They don't try to. Although the rhetoric is such. I know you were at the meeting, so you heard the city worker allude to the fact that Mayor Emanuel gave a speech at the Democratic National Convention in which he said, I will be working with President Obama to create and preserve good middle-class jobs. And then he comes back home and he wipes away these middle-class jobs and replaces them with, well, I don't even know how much they're going to be paid. But it's pretty clear that the workers will not be getting nearly as much as the people who uh, had the jobs, nor will they get the health benefits. Presumably, our city is run by uh, Democrats They are Democratic in name, but they're behaving like Republicans. We talked once before about why the mayor picks on certain issues and shakes them like a dog with, you know, with a bone if you try to take it away from him. And you've remarked in the past that he has a a platform or a set of policies that are carved out of campaign pledges and that he said this when he ran for mayor. And so now he's got to do it. Do you think this is one of those? Yes, I think he's delivering on a campaign promise. And it's the campaign promise made more. I've said this many times and it's becoming more and more clear to me. It's more about winning over people who don't live in Chicago than in winning over Chicagoans or governing Chicago in a fair and equitable way. So he's very uh, ambitious politically. It's very important for him to have a reputation in the national media and among national donors as sort of a new type of Democrat who takes on the unions and cuts the union jobs and privatizes uh, one's government deals, regardless of what impact it has on the people who are fired or their families or the neighborhoods in which they live, and whether or not it makes any savings ultimately to Chicago. I mean, really, if you take 34 employees and get rid of those jobs— and then replace them with people who are making minimum wage, I presume that there's an additional cost of food stamps because minimum wage can't raise a family on minimum wage. You need to be sustained by food stamps. So it drives up the overall cost of government, and we're also paying for it with the cost of the the loss of good jobs in our communities. So I don't know. The contradiction is sometimes too much for me to take, Dave. What about the grassroots support for an aldermanic revolt on this one? The 34 workers who might be laid off are union members of American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees. How active is their union in trying to get this ordinance passed? I think that we haven't really seen a big push from it yet because it's such an early stage. When you talk about unions participating in a, a greater movement, it's always tricky because a union's primary interest is the well-being of the members of its union. So if the mayor says to AFSME, I'll preserve these 34 jobs if you back off, what does AFSME do? You know, I mean, those are 34 jobs that they protected. On the other hand, they've lost the water call. You don't have a sense of what horse they're betting on here. In other words, if I was AFSME, I would be concerned with the larger picture. Yes, these were the 34 we saved, but who's going to be next in the crosshair? If I were AFSME, I would use the Chicago Teachers Union as my model, and that is don't back down. Engage the mayor in a very forceful and public debate. Don't go behind the closed doors and cut your deals and walk away, which is traditionally how unions operate in this town. But make this a public issue. Take it to the public. I don't know how AFSME is going to play this. Right now, it's still early. As we speak, it's a Friday. Wednesday, 
uh, was the day Sawyer was supposed to introduce the ordinance. And then I don't believe he actually introduced it this Wednesday. It got held off for another Wednesday. So I would hope they take a page from the Chicago Teachers Union. But there's no guarantee that they will. Anything about this story that didn't make it into the column? Yes. I had almost a humorous exchange. I'm going to write this in a blog. After the story had been completed, I got a call from somebody in the mayor's press office. It was on a Tuesday telling me that the city had done a survey of the water call employees and determined that a very poor response times and that uh, the average response time, I believe, was 20 minutes, and that NTT, the company that they were farming the deal out, was vowing and promising to do the job in one minute and 33 seconds. So in other words, instead of waiting 20 minutes, you would get it done. So one minute and 33 seconds, which I thought was an interesting little spin on things. And then he assured me that um, the city was not going to be firing these employees, but finding them other jobs, which led me to wonder, well, if the response time of these employees was so bad, why would you want to keep them on the payroll? And then it also led me to point out the irony here that the press aide was approximately five days late in getting back to me. It took him at least five days to get back to me with my response, my question for a comment. <laughs> Are they rated on their response time? We should perhaps privatize the city press operation. <laughs> get their response time down to get an hour. Get response time down to an hour or less and maybe privatize the whole freedom of information operation so we no longer have to wait weeks after weeks. I thought that was a pretty little interesting aside. But again, it, since the call came after my story was completed, I couldn't add it other than I inserted, I had the reader insert a phrase or a sentence explaining that the city was also hoping to improve the efficiency of the operation by farming it out to people who pay dirt wages for their employees. One must wonder why they can't simply manage it better. If they know that have that problem, why not fix it? Now you're asking me to explain the behavior of the city. I have the feeling that the mayor was simply going through the budget or his people going through the budget looking for what they consider politically vulnerable operations that could be, quote unquote, privatized so that he can make good on his pledge to uh, approve the efficiency of city services. And the last thing he was thinking about was the impact that these privatization deals would have on employees or their communities. Now he's suddenly face to face with that and they're trying to you know, recover with a spin that will work with the public. My guess is that, like many of these things, the argument that we're just improving the efficiency and we were not an employment service will play well on well-to-do white neighborhoods. Politically, the mayor is probably on safe ground there, but they won't play as well in black communities. Or with our listeners. Or with our listeners. God bless them. Ben Jarofsky of the Chicago Reader, thanks for joining me today. Thank you, sir. Our interviews have moved to Inside Chicago Government. That's shygov.com. Follow us there. If you're currently subscribed to the podcast, you don't have to do anything. Your subscription will move right over, just like if, say, the reader was acquired by the Sun-Times or something like that. Or yeah. something like that. <laughs> but the reader doesn't have subscriptions, does it? Or does it? You can subscribe to the reader. You actually buy a subscription to the reader if you're really lazy. Well, I mean, or if you're out of town. Right. Or you don't want to read it online. I mean, if you don't want to walk to the corner and get it. That is correct, yes. So follow us there, shygov.com. And you can still search for these interviews on iTunes. You can search for Ben Jarofsky or for me, Dave Glowatz. Thanks for listening.